Okay. It's a very packed topic. We're obviously only going to be touching one aspect of it, one detail of it. Um, so, about 100 years ago, a bit over 100 years ago, in the late 1800s, the early 1900s, the, um, the Jewish people discovered a problem. They haven't, we haven't been in our homeland for so long. We haven't uh, um, had really a home, so to speak. Sheet. I really should give this to you. You should. And people. It was a guy named Herzl, whatever. It was Billy. And they convened. The family was Mishimot, like they, they, they were, They're more Christian than Jews. And they, it, it really, I'm going to keep it uh, short and simple. It really boiled down to the question that what's, what's going to be, what's going to keep the Jewish people in existence? What's going to give us um, uh, a backbone? What's going to make us uh, something to be reckoned with um, amongst the rest of the world and amongst the rest of the Jewish, uh, the rest of the nations? And it's a very powerful question. And it's a, it's a true question that we should ask ourselves every day. What what makes us a people? What makes us significant? What makes us um, something to, to be standing and to be... Um, t- that, that people should be afraid of us and people should, not, should know that they can't just take the Jewish people and wish and wash them around and do whatever they want with them. And this was before the Holocaust. And after the Holocaust, the question became even bigger. And we all know what it... We all know what it triggered the, um, this group of people to want to do and to do. So what I wanted, uh, the, the question that I want to open today's discussion with is, was what they did, what they decided to do to, as this solution for the Jewish people's continuity, um, is, did it work? Let's look at the results. We're now 50, 60 years later. Let's look at the results. Is there peace in the Middle East? No. Are the rockets flying? Yes. Are this, uh, did, did, the, did the world, so to speak, the world, I mean, the, the, is it, um, are we a force to be reckoned with? Yeah, to an extent, yes. But uh, did it accomplish that we should have a home that's untouched, that people, everyone agrees, and it's, it's our, our land? Not, not really. So where were the pitfalls? What, what, were, um, what issues can we think of that may have caused that 50, 60, 60 years later, we still haven't accomplished what the original people wanted to, to really accomplish. Um, there is a whole separate discussion about this natural uh, hate that, that exists. Ace of Sony, Yaakov, and we're not going to go into that. <clears throat> but we'll go into today, just as we usually do, discuss a story in the parsha and try to take some insight from a story, something that seems to be a pattern through not only the story here, but actually a pattern through when the Jewish people actually went into the land the first time with Yeshua, um, the next generation, after Moshe passed away, after the 38 years, the father of the story of the spies. So let's go into one of the stories, the famous story of the Ma'apilim. Let's let's continue, let's finish the point. No, let's finish the point, and then you'll ask me a question. Why don't you ask it after? Okay, the story in the parsha is the famous story known as the story of the Ma'apilim. What is the story of the Ma'apilim? The Ma'apilim happened that after, we know the spies came, we've been discussing it the whole week, 
the spies came to, um, back to the Jewish people and all they had was negative things to say. Not only did they have negative, negative things to say about the land, they had their own opinion, their own conclusion. And they said, we can't. We cannot. We cannot enter the land. It's too much for us. And like we discussed yesterday, it's too, uh, they're so powerful. And we're not going to be able to conquer them. And there are many things to indicate that in, vision, in the vision of the Jews, not just explaining intellectually, they actually showed them. They brought back the fruit, um, which we'll discuss the fruit tomorrow. Interesting story, interesting part of the story. But what happened? What happened after the spies came back and gave their message, gave their opinion? What did the Jewish people do? So first the Jewish people agreed with them. And after they heard that God was very upset... And he said that you're all going to die in the desert. A new generation is going to come into the land. And God said you're going to wander in the desert another 30, 38 years. Um, when as, uh, after the hearing all that, there was a group of Jewish people that decided that, you know what? We've, we, we want to do tshuva, so to speak. We realize, we realize our mistake. God said we were supposed to go into the land. We're going to go into the land. And therefore they said, we're going to get an army together and let's go in. Immediately. They felt bad. They had a real remorse. Charata, right? They really regretted their, um, their behavior and their approach. And they said, we're all going to go up. What happened to these people? Well, before they even went up, Moshe told them not to go. Moshe told them, don't go. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. But they went up anyways. And they tried entering the land. And we you know what happened. They were, they were overpowered and conquered and killed immediately. They didn't even, there was, no, there was no, no war to fight. So the question in the story is very obvious. One of the most basic perspectives in Judaism is the idea of tshuva. Pesach Sheni, a second chance, which we just had in last week's parasha, Ba'aloyzcha, right? The, 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 it's a basic um, part of Judaism, a fundamental part of Judaism, that there exists the idea of correcting your mistakes. You did something wrong, correct your mistake, and go and fix it. Right? It's, we, this is what we preach. Isn't that what they were doing? If you look at the story very simply, these, these people, all they wanted to do was correct their mistake. They did something horribly wrong, which brought on the magefa, a plague to the Jewish people, which brought on the, 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 the decree of keeping them in the desert. They said, okay, fine, we got the point, we got it. We made a mistake. Let's correct it. We're going to go into the land now. We're ready. What, what, was, what was so wrong with what they did? So I want to focus on the Pesukim. Let's read it inside because there's something that's not even between the lines. It's written clearly in Moshe's message to them, which I think we can take from um, a pattern going on here. And let's see when they actually did go into the land in the time of Yeshua, another pattern that we see there of something that they had, which, which made it work which is why it didn't work now. So let's, let's read it inside. So source one, um, So Moshe spoke everything that God said about how they're going to die and they're going to wander in the desert. And the people mourned. They, were, they felt very bad. They woke up the next morning. And they went to the top of the mountain and they said, We sinned. We realized, okay, our bad. Let's, let's fix our mistake. And they said, we're all going to go up. Let's go into the land. Moshe returned to, the, to this group of Jewish people and he told them, Why are you going against God's words? He said, you're going against God's words. You're not going to be successful. 
Altalu, don't go up. Why? Ki ein Hashem bekirbechem, because Hashem is not amongst you. This was Moshe explained it. He didn't just say don't go. He explained don't go because Hashem is not amongst you. Tinagvu and therefore you're going to be harmed by your, by your enemies. The nations are there waiting. You're going to um, collapse. You're going to be destroyed by sword. Hashem is not, is not going to be with you. And here's another important line. The ark, right? The holiest object in Judaism. The ark. Um, of Hashem, Umoisha, and Moshe, Loy Moshe Mikarav Amachana did not move from the camp. Which seems like, uh, I mean, obviously they went up, Moshe said not to go. But the Torah feels it important to mention that the Aaron didn't go with them. Okay? Um, and they were just, they, they, what happened happened. Um, now, I want to point out something very interesting. If you look at the Yeshua and Kalev, when they originally argued and said that we could go up, before the whole decree happened, before Hashem said 38 years, when they came back and gave, and the Miragun gave their report, and Yeshua and Kaliv argued, what did they say? What was their argument? They said, Don't rebel against Hashem. Look that they are our, our bread, so to speak. They have no protection. Hashem is with us. There's nothing to be afraid of. So again, in their argument, even before this all happened, we see another pattern where they said, Hashem being with us. Something about Hashem being with us, um, which is why there's no reason to be afraid and we'll be able to enter the land. And Moshe went here to tell these group of people that wanted to go up that there was an issue with your plan because Hashem is not with you. Now, I want to focus on another point, not just Hashem, which we'll discuss soon, but especially the word that he uses for Hashem's name, the Yud Kevavke, um, but the Aaron, the Ark, didn't go with him. It seems like a very insignificant detail, Hashem didn't want them to go, clearly. What's the idea of the ark? Um, that the ark wasn't, wasn't with them. The ark didn't move from the camp. And let's look at when Yeshua went. When Yeshua went into the land, those of you who've learned them, remember the story. It's a fascinating um, piece where not only did Yeshua mention the ark, how important it was, like we'll see in Source 1, uh, in Source 2, the first part of Source 2, but in the end, when they actually conquered the first part of Eretz Yisrael, Yerichai, the whole process was with the Aaron, specifically the Aaron surrounding, going around the city um, for, six, for seven days until eventually the walls collapsed. The Aaron had a huge um, role to play in this. So let's uh, just go through the interesting, because we see a pattern here in Source 2. Go before the, the Aaron. This is when he's gathering the group to, um, to conquer. They each took a stone. This is when they go crossing the Yardin. Um, and again, Again, using the Ark. But let's go to the second part, when they actually conquered. The, the Ark of Hashem surrounded the city, went around the city one time. They carried the Ark. They carried the other seven, seven trumpets. We know they, how they um, blew the, the shofar and the walls collapsed. Again, but the point is that we see a very um, uh, 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 emphasis here on the Ark of Hashem going with them around. Now, I think we can, there's, there's a, it's very clear 
And there's many uh, ways we can approach it and many, many wa- ways we can elaborate on it. And I'll try to keep it simple and not get too, uh, make it too controversial. <laughs> it's already controversial. But um, the... Moshe clearly was giving here the mandate and, and uh, giving them the, the secret recipe, the secret ingredient, which would allow them to have the power to enter the land of Israel unharmed, be the power nation that the Jewish people want to be. Moshe was giving them a clear directive here as to what would accomplish that. What would it be that would accomplish that? God being amongst us. And especially the Ark, the Ark. It's a big discussion. What what makes the Jewish people a people? What makes us? What makes us who we are? And this was the discussion of the hundred years ago. What makes the Jewish people who we are? Is it having a, ha- a home, the land, uh, having a land of our own, or is the land of our home, uh, the land having a land of our own, a result of something else? And. The mistake of, uh, of these, uh, these original people, one of the big mistakes was that the Jewish people having the land is very important. And it's mentioned in the Torah, of course. But it's mentioned in the Torah. <laughs> that, that, yes, the Jewish people are people of, that have a land because the Torah dictates that we have a land. And the same Torah that dictates that we have a land and mentions that this is our home, the same Torah that dictates that also says to put on tefillin every day, to keep Shabbos, and etc. Meaning, meaning, it's not something that is, is, is an idea of its own, which exists on its own, which can exist on its own. It's one part, and uh, only a part of a bigger whole. Only part of a bigger picture. Yes, having a land, having a home of our own, Israel, Eretz Yisrael, is the holiest thing in the Torah. We know how the Torah speaks about it. And it's a holy land that will continue to be the holy land no matter what we hold of what's going on there. But it's a holy land because the Torah, which that is what makes us as a people, the famous words of, of uh, I think it's Rapsad Yagoyim, who said that we are a people of the Torah. We are a people of the Torah. The Torah is what makes us a people. And the, the Torah, which makes us a people, that Torah dictates that yes, the Jewish people should have a land, a home. Now it's very difficult if you think about it. Because imagine, imagine the land. I mean, I, I don't know the answer to this. But imagine the land today, in the modern today, in the modern day. But imagine a land that runs 100% and completely according to Torah. In every detail, in every aspect, every decision of the government is made based on Torah. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's not a... No square, no square. But that, that is really, that, if you would think of the ideal, and it's not really the ideal, it happened in history. There's a precedence to it. This is the Jewish people in the land of Israel for years. When there was a king, when they ruled it, it was run. There was a king, there was a prophet. It ran according to Torah. It was a Torah land, right? This is the secret to Jewish continuity. And this is why, regardless of having the land, the Jewish nation still continues. What keeps us here, um, what keeps us who we are, um, regardless, even, before, even 200 years ago, which was already a thousand and somewhat years after the destruction of the second temple, when Jewish people were exiled from the land of Israel, right? what kept us is the fact that we have a Torah. That's the unique um, uh, thread of connection between every single Jew, every single person. The Jewish identity, the Jewish person, is not just a nationality which needs um, a, a place uh, to, to be their capital. It's a people which is created by their covenant with God. 
the Aaron, which is their covenant with God, their connection to God, through the Torah, which Torah made us a people. When, we, when were we made God's nation? When He gave us the Torah. Um, now, it can be very difficult to put the two together. To say to live in a, in a civilized place and have a government or have a rule, this is what it was with the king of Israel years ago. Um, and together with that, to say that it's completely and only based on the values and instructions and directives of Torah. The two clash. The two don't necessarily go together well. And this is the message of the Aaron. This is the message of the Aaron. The message of the Aaron, of the Ark, and this is the last point, then you could all interject. The message of the Ark is very powerful. And I brought it on yesterday's sheet. I wanted to discuss yesterday because it was relevant to yesterday as well. Um, the Aaron was very unique because it speaks about, in the Gemara Numa, it says about the Aaron, there's a whole discussion there about the measurement of the Aaron and the way it stood in the temple. There's a less, uh, uh, an expression there used, the Mokim Aaron, Einu Minamida. That the place where the Aaron stood did not take up space. It was space that did not take up space. What does that mean? It was a miracle. And the Gemara that discusses why it's not one of the miracles mentioned in Prikayavis, in the miracles that happened in the temple. But uh, it's, it was the biggest miracle probably in the temple, which is that the Aaron had to have a specific measurement, like everything else in the, in, built in the Mishkan. Had to have a specific measurement to the, to the um, uh, what's it called? To the inch, to the, to the centimeter, right? They had to have a very specific measurement. And if it wasn't that measurement, it's not God's Ark. Had to have a very specific measurement. It took up space. The Torah says it takes up space. But then, according to the measurements, the Aaron, let's say, just to make a figure, a, a very practical to us, let's say the, the whole Kodesh HaKadoshim, which housed the Aaron, let's say it was 20 feet by 20 feet. It wasn't exactly that. I'm just giving, trying to build a picture. And the Aaron was 10 feet by 10 feet. Okay? So if it's 10 feet by 10 feet, on each side of the Aaron, there should be 5 feet. Right? At 20 feet by 20 feet, and the Aaron is 10 feet by 10, 10 feet, there should be 5 feet on each side. If you read, if you look in the Torah, the Surah, the Psukim, it says that that wasn't the case. The Aaron was, let's say, five, uh, 10 feet by 10 feet, but on each side of the Aaron, there was 10 feet. That means, let's say, this table is 10 feet by 10 feet. This is the Aaron right here. It's supposed to be taking up um, uh, 20 feet by 20 feet is the table, and this is supposed to be taking up 10 feet by 10 feet. So there should be five feet on each side. If you look at the measurements written, there was 10 feet on each side. Meaning the Aaron took up space, but didn't take up space at the same time. It almost like hovered in the spot, but it took up space. If you would look, it looks like it's, it's taking up space. It's but there was still illusion, ten feet. Illusion. An illusion. It sounds like an optical illusion, right? An illusion. But that's, that's what it was. And the message of that is, because this is the heart of the Jewish people in this world. This is the core of the Jewish people in, in this world. The paradox that we discussed yesterday, that the, a Jew to exist in this world, living with the values of the Torah, with the instructions of the Torah, keeping Shabbos, the priorities are straight, that we know that we don't compromise on things in Torah for business, or for even when it may seem like that if I would just drop a certain thing, I would make more money, etc. And that's just in that example, but in health, in any area, um, if, I, um, if we, by keeping to the Torah's values, it sometimes conflicts and contradicts living as a civilized um, a nation, as a civilized people, and the land of Israel, living in the land of Israel, living with our own homeland. It's some, it can seem like it can conflict. That's the message of the Aaron. God said, if the Aaron's with you, you'll succeed. Meaning if you live with this message of this paradox, of living with this, ain't it, that we take up space, but we don't take up space at the same time. We live within nature. We live within the rules of nature. We live within the, um, what the world demands from us, but at the same time, we live above it. And above it, not taking away from what the world wants. Yes, we eat. 
We take care of our bodies. It's part of Judaism. We, take, we, 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 um, we live respecting the government. We do everything that we're supposed to do, but it doesn't compromise on one part of Torah. Because we have to live with both of those at the same time. It's a paradox. It doesn't make sense sometimes. But he will not be successful if the God is not part of it. If the supernatural, so to speak, is not part of it. And this is the name of God that's mentioned here, Yudke Vavke, which in Kabbalah, the Yudke Vavke name is the name of God, which is, which is beyond nature and within nature. Beyond nature, it's Haya Haya The name of Yudke Vavke is made up from three words, past, present, and future, but it's all in one word. It's within time, but there's time there, past, present, and future, but all in one word, meaning there's no difference between the past, present, or future. That's the name of God. We won't go into that now. It's a big Kabbalistic discussion. But this is, this is the issue, and the one thing not mentioned in the National Anthem is God. God's not mentioned there. There is a famous, there's a famous, um, they compromise, I'm mentioning Tzur as a rock, uh, alluding to something. But uh, the, the famous um, discussion that went on, I forgot with, with which great Jewish figure it was back 100 years ago, that they wanted him to join, um, and they, they, they used the slogan, Beis Yaakov L'chuven Elcha, which is a pasuk that we say, we say it before Shir Shalyon. Beis Yaakov L'chuven Elcha, that the house of Jacob, meaning the Jewish people, let us go, let us go where? To the land. Meaning it was a slogan, but this is uh, the mantra. And, and he said to them that uh, whoever it was, that there's one issue. There's another two words in the Pasuk that you're cutting out. And those words are, Ba'ar Hashem. Hashem. That the house of Jacob, we will go in the light of God. Meaning, you take God out of the picture, nothing's going to work. God has to be the priority, and nothing can be compromised on that. And that's the, that's the end of my part. Anyone can ask any questions they want and challenge whatever they want.